Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Um, a wonderful morning to everyone. I'd like to specially, specially welcome our Podakot Church that's um, streaming live this morning. I'm glad you all are doing well and thank you for joining in the service. Pastor knows uh, and the team in Podakot. It's good to see every one of you. Well, I'm seeing you guys by faith. Praise God. All right. And um, I want everyone settling as we get into the word this morning, we're going to finish our final session on uh, the faith that overcomes the world. But uh, I'm so glad. I mean, God is doing amazing things. And I really, really want to, especially before getting to the word, I want to especially um, appreciate my lovely wife, Sister Mary, and the family, uh, Carries and Sister Jume, that have been. They've practically learned live streaming and media <laughs> in the course of two days and all the hard work behind the scenes to just make sure that we get the message across to you. And I thank God for, uh, for the support and the work. Praise God. We're going to get into the Word. This morning we're spending an hour, 30 minutes, so make sure that you have extra food ready. Praise God. And just get ready for the Word as we finish up this. Praise God. So let's get settled. Glory to God. Amen. Let's pray a bit. Let's just spend some time to pray together as a church. Let's pray for five minutes. Just pray in the spirit. And uh, we're going to get into the word. Father, we thank you. Oh, we lift our voice and we worship you. Vandro shika soja labrando le basi katalamande. Oh, zikata de bradoshki labande brahaste le voshke le mande le bradoshe. Oh, we thank you, mighty God. Liando Silahashte. We thank you for your mighty words. We lift our voice in adoration of your, of your glorious name. There is no like unto you, Father. We come before you this morning and we say thank you, Jesus. We come before you this morning and we say thank you, Jesus. We come before you this morning and we say thank you, Jesus. Oh, we praise your holy name. We praise your holy name. Oh, we give you glory. We thank you, Father God. The lifting of our hands like the evening sacrifice. The, the praise that comes from our lips. We thank you, Spirit of the living God. Oh, glory, glory, glory and honor to your name. Oh, glory and honor to your name. Oh, glory and honor to your name. We give you praise, Jesus. We thank you for your mighty works. We thank you for your mighty works. There's none like unto you, Jesus. We pray for utterance and boldness that your, your word will come forth with power and with glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, thank you. 
because I'm anointed to teach your word. And thank you because your people are anointed to receive and to get our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that the Holy Ghost will live big on the inside of me and grant me utterance. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right. So we've been talking about First uh, John, praise God, chapter 5. And we've been on verse 1 to 5, basically dealing with the whole uh, issue of the faith that overcomes the world. And we've done three parts. If you haven't followed up until now, uh, make sure you get the messages so you can keep track with us. Yesterday, evening session, we left off, of, uh, uh, off on the use of the word world. We, we tried to talk about that. And we did say that there is a context to the use of the phrase world. There is a context to it in the scriptures. <clears throat> the first one is that it refers to people. It refers to people. So we talked about John chapter 12 verse 19. The Pharisee says the world has gone after him. Alright. Then we talked about John 3.16. For God so loved the world. We're talking about people. Then we said the, the phrase world also means uh, earth or the space or the physical world, right? <clears throat> we talked about John 17 verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Amen. Then we talked about John 17, 18. The glory I had before the world began. So, it's important, and, and that's something that can help you understand the Bible. Uh, you have to learn to read the scriptures in context. You have to learn to read the scripture in context. If you take a, a scripture out of context, you cannot get the proper meaning. Praise God. If you take a scripture out of context, you cannot get the proper meaning. So we talked about John 18, 37. Scriptures to refer to the world, that phrase as a physical, uh, physical globe. Acts 15, 8. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. We've talked about all of that. For instance, in Romans 1, 8, it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now, if it says your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, it's not saying that your faith is spoken of throughout uh, the whole people. Rather, it's saying that your faith is spoken of in several nations of the world or the, the then-known Asia minor world. So, it's important for us to understand that there is always a context to the use of phrases uh, in, in scriptures, praise God. Now, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, for instance, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So he was talking about uh, the same afflictions are accomplished in the people in other places, alright? So, the, the, the use of that phrase there, the world, uh, refers to people, okay? Uh, refers to nations in that, in that, uh, in that first Peter 5, 5, 9. You can also use Romans 1, 20. Now, Jesus did distinguish between the kingdoms, okay? In John 8, 36, it says, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is is not of this world. That means his kingdom does not take its source, its ideas, its ideologies, praise God, from this world. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, it says, if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. 
But now is my kingdom not from thence. So he says, my kingdom is not from here. Praise God. Now, in John chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus said, I'm just giving a recap. John 15, 19, Jesus said, if you were of the world, that word, that phrase there, of the world, means if you took your source from the world, remember the foundation of our study was the fact that you needed to be born again, you know, to be a child of God, to be able to have this world of the common faith. Okay? So he says, if you were of the world, the world will love their own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hated thee. Praise God. Then in Mark chapter 4, verse 12, Mark chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And the cares of this world, praise God, and the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lost. I want you to, to, to underline that word, because we're going to be dealing with that word very strongly this morning. And the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes fruitful. Now, I want you to observe that word and, 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 and I need to pay attention to that verse, okay? Underline the cares of this world. Underline that word in Mark chapter 4 verse 19. Underline the cares of this world. Praise God. Then underline the lusts of other things entering in. Now, when we usually talk about lust most times, we... Uh, we kind of mentally restrict it to only sexual lust, which is uh, part of it, but not all of it. The scripture here talks about the lust of other things. The lust of other things. And this is very critical because most people, it's easy to identify uh, sexual immorality and sexual lust and all of that, but it is, it, is, it, is, it is not very easy to discern when people lust after other things. It's not very easy to discern. Because it might look like a genuine desire, you know. But, but the word lust there speaks of an excessive kind of covetous attitude of other things. And these are some of the things that make the word of God unfruitful. How do they make the word of God unfruitful? First of all, they, 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 they stop you from obeying the scriptures or from obeying God. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. So we're done with that. Let's go to John chapter 6. Uh, 16, verse 63. John 16, 63. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. John chapter 16, and verse 63. These things I've spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Okay. John 8.23. John 8.23. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath. I am from above. Now, I want you to observe the comparison and the use of words. This is very important. You know, when you study the scriptures, it's good to pay attention to details. It's very good to pay attention to details. John 8.23. Praise God. And he was saying to them, You are from below. I am from above. You are from below. I am from above. You are from, you are of this world. I am not of this world. So he says, let's use my left and my right, right? Left world, right? You are from below. I am from above. Right. 
Genesis, you are of this world. I'm not of this world. So, right in this verse, you find Jesus distinguishing very clearly between the kingdom of God and the world. And Jesus goes on to say that the world is from below. And now we're going to find this because that's, what we, that's why we need to overcome the world because there's this whole thing about the force of gravity on the earth that's constantly pulling things down. And that's what happens. The design and the operating system of the world is to pull you down. Is to pull you down. But the scripture tells us clearly that there's a distinguishing factor between the world and the kingdom. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, now, we talked about some references in, in John chapter 14, verse 30. Jesus talked about the prince of the world, okay? First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, he talks about the spirit of the world. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he talks about the God of this world. Ephesians 2, 2, he talks about the course of this world. That means uh, when you talk about somebody running a course or a lane, okay? <clears throat> now, that, that's very interesting. Ephesians 2, 2 is very interesting because, let's go there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Praise God forevermore. It says, and you, verse 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the curse of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Praise God. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, it talks about when we speak wisdom, we do not speak of what? The wisdom that is in this world, or the wisdom of the world. So there is the wisdom of the world. Praise God. There is the wisdom of the world. Hallelujah. Okay, now, let's go, to, let, let's see the way other apostles refer to the world, and then we can begin to build on from there. Praise God. Now, um, let's go to James. James chapter 1. James chapter 1 and verse 27. James chapter 1 and verse 27. I want, to see, I want you to see the way James talks about the world. And it's important for us to see the perspective of the apostles to it. Praise God. James chapter 1 verse 27. It says, Pure and undefined religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. Right? Now, people are big on this, right? When they want to talk about church and all the rest. They say, well, even James said it. That pure religion is to visit orphans and widows in their distress. And they stop there. They stop there. Because that's easy to do, you know that. That's easy to do. What does it take for you to go and visit orphans and widows? Just buy some carton of... Is it carton of rice now? No, it's not carton of rice. Sorry. Bag of rice and carton of indomie, praise God. And some roasted chicken. Right? Just go and give to widows. And say, well, that's true religion. But then the next line says, and it's to keep oneself unstained by the world. To keep oneself unstained by the world. And you know that the very act of making your deeds public and trying to make everyone know that you've gone to take care of the widows is being stained by the world. Because God tells us to do what we do in secret. 
You see, so if we just take one line of the scriptures to satisfy our own selfish ambition or whatever we want to do, the truth of the matter is we're not completely obeying the Lord. Because one of the things that is required for true religion is to be unstained, unspotted by the world, to make sure that the world doesn't stain you. And I'm big right now because, it, you know, as things goes on on the earth and all of that, there's always this desire to want to show to people that we're doing the right thing. But we must do it in context of the kingdom, the way God wants the kingdom to be done, or the way God wants things to be done. So, James says that pure religion is to keep yourself unstained by the world. Praise God. To keep yourself unstained by the world. So, if, it's, if he uses the word to keep yourself unstained by the word, it means that the world has the capacity to stain you. Praise God. And, and that's what uh, Peter talked about. Talked about the polluting influence of the world. That the world can pollute the believer. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 20. Go there. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. Praise God. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. And, 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 and you know... Second uh, Peter two twenty, it says, "Praise God." Am I right with that? No, this is First Peter. Sorry, Second Peter. That's what you get when projector people are not around. Second Peter chapter two, <laughs> verse twenty. I know some of you that always depend on projector. You'll be struggling in your house right now. You're still opening, looking for the first scripture I mentioned. Second Peter two twenty. All right. For if after they have escaped the defilement of the world. So you see this, right? James talks about being stained by the word. Peter talks about the pollution or the defilement that is in the world. So these apostles recognize that there is something in the world that can stain the believer. That there is something in the world that can defile the believer. And we need to pay attention to these things now. Because when we hear of the message of faith, the first thing that comes to our mind is what we can use faith to get. <clears throat> Praise God. Not what we can use faith to become. And when I mean become there, I'm talking about using faith to please God in all things. Using our faith to please God in all things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. To be able to use our faith to please God in all things. That's one of the things we can use faith for. When it says without faith it is impossible to please me, it means that we have to use our faith to be able to live the life that God wants us to live. And that includes being unstained by the world, not being defied by the world, not allowing the world to corrupt whatever the Lord is giving to us. Praise God. Now, James chapter 4. James chapter 4 and verse 4. James 4, 4. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Glory to God. Let's start reading from verse 1. James chapter 4 from verse 1. What is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? What is the source of quarrels, <coughs> praise God, and conflict among you? Is not the source, your pleasures that wage war in your members? Now, I need you to pay attention to this now because this is very key. It says, what is causing the conflict and the war among you? What, 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 what's generating this strife? James points it out and says, is not the source, your pleasure that wage war in your members? Your pleasure 
that wage war in your members. Your pleasure that wage war in your members. Those desires in your heart that fight you. Praise God. Now it goes on to say, you lost and do not have. So can you see this, the, lost, the, 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 the concept of lost use here? <clears throat> the concept of lost use here speaks of the desire. We're going to define this now because, because John picks it up very strongly. Is, is that, that inordinate desire, that excessive desire. It says, and when that desire is not met, there is quarrel and there is strife. Yeah? You, you know, you, I mean, sometimes when you look at, you know, the way we pray, that God should bless us so that others will know that He is God. There is no scriptural basis for that. If you want God to bless you, let God just bless you. You can lead people out of the prayer. I mean, you shouldn't always pray within the context of what people, uh, you know, God do this for me so that this will happen. No. Just focus, just mind your business in prayer. Absolutely. I mean, I'll just put it that way. Praise the name of the Lord. Because sometimes our prayers we're praying are out of that excessive desire to show or be someone. And not really because that's what God wants for us or we are doing this for the sake of the kingdom. Let me tell you something. As a child of God, as a child of God, everything you do should be for the sake of the kingdom. That should be the first thing that comes to your mind. How does this impact the kingdom of God? You lost and do not have, so you commit murder. Right? And this is, what, this is the basis of, of stealing. Right? That's what a thief does. A thief wants something, he's lusting after something, and doesn't have the thing. He kills the person who has it so he can take it. So you see that when we look at the spirit of murder, the spirit of murder comes from the lust for things. The spirit of murder comes from the lust for things. You are envious and you cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And God is saying, listen, that thing you're fighting and quarreling for, that thing that is making you envious, why don't you come and ask me? Why don't you let us have a conversation about it? Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, he says, you are adulteresses. Now, <laughs> When, let me explain this here. When you talk about you adulteresses here, you will realize that the first thing that comes to your mind is a married woman sleeping with a small girl. And it's like, you adulteresses or adulterer. But that's not what James is talking about here. Because there's nothing, and you need to follow me now, there's nothing sexual in, in, in James chapter 4. He defines what that adultery is. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? And that is, that is the adultery there. Because when you become born again, you are now married to God. You're one with God. And so it is like being one with God and having a side chick with the world. <laughs> I think everybody understands that language now, right? So God, so he says that's adultery. You are married to God, but you are having a relationship with the world. He says, listen, friendship with the world is, an, is hostility toward God. That if I am married to God, if I have a relationship with God, then my fidelity should be to God alone and not with the world. And it's amazing how many people have got relationship with God and relationship with the world. And they are trying to manage this thing. And James says, no, 
That is adultery. It's being married to God, and yet you still like the world. And you know what? You know that that's what adultery is, right? Adultery is like you're still married to your wife, you still like your wife, you still do your wife, but then you've got these friendships all around. And that's what it says. It says, you are adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So a child of God cannot be a friend of the world. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. How is that for, for a word? It says, if, if you are friends with the world, you are an enemy of God. It's clear. It's very clear. It's very, very clear. That we cannot become. And that is why, you know, so the, the subject that we're studying in this Kingdom Bible Seminar begins to make sense to you because that's why you need faith. You need faith. Now, this is why you need faith. You need faith because you're living in the world and yet God doesn't want you to be friend with the order and the systems of the world. So you have to use your faith to live righteously. Let me give you a practical example. We're going to go there, but I'm, I mean, this morning there's no, there's no rush, right? We're going to go there. But you look at Noah, for instance. The scripture says, And Noah found grace in the sight of God. And Noah found what? Grace in the sight of God. But do you realize something about Noah finding grace in the sight of God? Do you realize that the scripture says in the days of Noah, people were eating, drinking, and giving in marriage? Why people were eating, drinking, and giving in marriage? What was Noah doing? Noah literally was building an ark, was preaching the message, was saying the flood is going to come. And people were just going about their lives, eating, drinking, going about their lives, eating, drinking. And nowhere saying, listen, 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 nowhere saying, come on, the Lord is coming. And the scripture says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Praise God forevermore. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Read on. Verse 5 says, now, let, let's go back to, to James 4, 4 now. It says, therefore, whoever wishes, all right, wishes to be a friend of the world. So, that whole being a friend of the world thing is not like the world is going to come out. It's, it's a desire. It's just a desire. It's a wish. If you wish to be a friend of the world, you're going to be an enemy of God. Verse, verse, verse 5. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. So you see, he uses the word jealousy here because God is jealous for us. It's just as the way a husband will be jealous for his wife. It's just as the way the wife will be jealous for the husband. He says, he is jealous, the, 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 he jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. So God has this godly jealousy towards us and doesn't want us messing around with the world. He doesn't want us messing around with the influence, the concepts and the ideologies of the world. And this is what John was trying to paint out very clearly in 1 John chapter 5. That God has put that faith in us that when we believe in Jesus, we've got the faith to overcome this whole massive corrupt system that's out there in the world. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, go to 1 John chapter 2. Let's begin to deal with this now. 1 John chapter 2. Man, God is so, 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 so good. God is a good God. I want to read something here. 1 John chapter 2. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 1 John chapter 2. And we are going to read from verse 15. 
First John chapter 2, verse 15. Just give me a moment. I want to pick up a translation here that we need to use. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First John chapter 2 and verse... Well, I, I dealt with, I dealt with uh, verse 12 on Saturday morning. So we just read that again. Uh, trying to see where... Okay, maybe we'll just start from verse 1, right? Yeah, we're not, we're not hurrying anywhere, so let's, let's read verse 1. All right. My little children, I'm writing to you these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Praise God. Now, it says, by this we know. And he himself, okay, that's verse 3. By this we know that we've come to know him if we keep his commandments. So if we keep his commandments, we know him. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we're in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner. Praise God. Beloved, I'm not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the world which you have heard. On the other hand, I'm writing a new commandment to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. The one who says he's in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you little children because your sins have been forgiven you for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, children, because you know the Father. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you're strong. Glory to God. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. So if the word of God abides in you, you know that you have overcome the evil one. Praise God. Verse 15 now. Come on, let's go here now. Do not love the world, not the things in the world. So it talks about not loving the world, praise God, nor the things in the world. Now, this is not saying you shouldn't like a car, you shouldn't like, you know, um, maybe a television or something. That's not, the things in the world, that's not what it's talking about. It's going to define this now. You know, that's one important thing we must learn. We must allow the scriptures interpret the scriptures for us. We must allow the scriptures do what? Interpret the scriptures for us. Now, the scripture is going to interpret what the world is and what the things in the world are. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. What are the things in the world? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And this is what James was talking about. This is the same thing James was talking about. James was saying, listen, you cannot be friends with God and friends with the world. You have to stand in a place. 
You cannot mix these things up. And one of the major things we're having as believers today is this whole mixture. This whole mixture. We're not sure anymore. Praise God. We're not sure anymore. We have to stand for something. We have to stand for God. We have to come to the point where we're not ashamed of Jesus. Praise God. We, we, we don't have to blend in. Amen. We don't have to fit in. This thing is, there is a separation of kingdoms. Jesus didn't come for us to be like everybody else. He came so we can be like Him. Glory to God. Now, He says, Do not love the world, not the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Where is God? The love of the Father is not in him. You know, everyone, everyone wants, nobody wants their love shared. Yeah? You know, nobody wants their love shared. Even, even among couples, you realize some couples, when they get married and they start, you know, relationship, and then they are all over each other. I love you, 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 I love you. You know, it's almost on repeat mode. And then uh, they give birth to the child, and then you see sometimes for some women who are not, uh, who are not, yeah, I mean, some wonderful women, they transfer all the love to the child. And then the man starts getting angry and naggy. And they don't understand why. But nobody wants their love shared. Praise God. And it's the same thing. If you love the Father, you cannot love the world. If you love the Father, you cannot love the world. And these things are very clear. These are not abstract, abstract concepts. It says, if you love me, two things will be the indicators. You will obey my word and you will love the brethren. Praise God. Now, for all that is in the world, now, go back to verse, um, go back to verse 15 now. Do not love the world, not the things. Now, I want you to observe that word things now. Do not love the world, not the things in the world. So, what are the things in the world now? That's what is defining in verse 15. For all that is in the world. Now, the lust of the flesh. So, you take that down as number one. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. And the boastful pride of life. Now, now, other translations, uh, like the King James Bible uses the word, the pride of life. But I like the way the New American Standard Bible uses it. It says, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So, he defines the world in these three things. He defines the world in what? In the lust of the flesh. He defines the world in the lust of the eyes. He defines the world in the boastful pride of life. And he's just like, thanks. These are the three pillars that forms the framework of what the world is. Praise God. Now, the word lost there is the Greek word epitumia. It means 
E-P-I-T-H-U-M-I-A. It's from two words, right? It's from two words. E-P, E-B-I, right? It means upon. Thomas, T-H-U-M-O-S, means heat. So, the Greek word lost is from two words. It's E-P-I, which is upon, then T-U-M-O-S, which is heat. So, actually, the word lost in the Greek means heat upon heat, right? It means heat upon heat, which is more um, like an inordinate desire. It's a growing desire that is never satisfied. A growing desire that's never satisfied. It's, It's almost like... So the whole concept in the Greek is like to be hot after something, to pursue after something. Okay? Now, when we, when we think of this, one of the things that comes straight to our mind, tell you when we mention lost in the scriptures, is, is sexual lust. But I want us to see bigger. I want to see a bigger picture of it. Go to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 20. And I'll show you something here. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 20. Proverbs 27 and verse 20. Right, let me just get my scripture right here. Okay, just as death and destruction are never satisfied, praise God, so human desire is never satisfied. Just as death and destruction is never satisfied, so, is, so human desire is never satisfied. Proverbs 27.20 gives us a picture of what lust is talking about. This lust is talking about. That insatiable desire that is never satisfied. And that is why one of the things, listen very carefully for me. Uh, carefully, is it carefully for me or carefully to me? Okay, carefully to me, right? Praise God. Okay, one of the things that faith will do for you is to teach you contentment. It says, be content as what you have. For the Lord had said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That means your faith will place its confidence on God who is with you, not on what you have or what you don't have. And that's one of the things we need to use faith for. We need to use faith to be content. If not, the pursuit for money will never end. Can, can you? I mean, look at the whole, look at, look at the way we live our lives. We spend all day pursuing wealth, pursuing wealth, pursuing wealth, pursuing wealth, pursuing wealth. Because somehow, the, the world has also defined for us that for you to be a successful person, you have to be very, very wealthy, right? And so the world has defined that for us. Now, observe what happens. People now go out to wealth at the expense of their family. And you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, I'm trying to give my family a better future. And that better future they are trying to give their family is not the future that has to do with God in that sense. To say, listen, I know God is with you. I'm going to spend time to teach you God's word. And I know God is going to take care of you. I work as much as I can. But no, it's a material better future because that's what the world tells us is success. And at the end, they give these kids a better future and they're never there for them. And the children grow up and absolutely knows no value for the things of God. Because the father wasn't there to instruct them in the ways of God. Are, are you following this now? Human desire is never satisfied. 
So you ask, why do wealthy people steal? You have enough to take care of your generation, but they'll steal some more. Or somebody's married, or still wants somebody else, not satisfied. So it will take faith to restrain yourself to be content. It will take faith to restrain yourself. Listen, there is nothing about the world and sin that you ever be satisfied about. Nothing. You know, growing up, <laughs> we used to have just uh, ladies who just ma- do makeup, right? Just makeup, look nice, and absolutely, I mean, absolutely beautiful, right? Let me get a scripture here. Let me show you something. And then, we kept growing. We kept growing. And they said makeup was not enough. And they added, uh, added other things to it. And right now you have people changing their whole gender. Come on. Never satisfied. Changing their whole gender. Somebody gets up one day and says, I think, you know, person just get up. I say, I think I'm a woman. <laughs> and then goes to the hospital. And change. What, why? You ask yourself, what are you looking for? It's the same thing. The human desire is never satisfied. Never satisfied. Body shapes taken out of shapes. Everything has to be modified. Oh, I don't want to look like this. Oh, I want to look like this. Oh, make my nose like this. Make my eye like this. Make my ear like this. There's no satisfaction. There's no contentment. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? There's no contentment. The world will keep driving. The world will keep pushing. Desire for something. I mean, I, I, I showed my wife a few, few, few weeks ago. I saw uh, a man who's got his nails painted. You know, when you say this, you say, oh, you don't have to judge anybody. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying something. You got their nails painted. And I, I mean, just watch it. And I showed her. I said, you see, these celebrities got their nails painted. Just watch it. Just watch it. Give it a few years. Boys will start painting their nails. It wasn't, up to, it wasn't even up to a week. And our staff in the office came and mentioned a teenager who's got their nails painted. A guy. And you ask yourself, what are you looking for? It's this thing right here. Some people don't even know what's driving them. The human desire is never satisfied. You keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing. You know, while you're listening to me today, ask yourself, when will this be enough? Just in your mind, when can you say, it's okay, it's enough? And these are the things that takes us from the pursuit of God. You ask a lot of people why they don't have time for the things of God. It's the business to acquire more, to get more. And we need faith. We need faith to restrain. You know what the scripture says? It is vain to wake up early, you know, and go to bed late for the bread of sorrow, for the Lord blesses his beloved even in sleep. It takes faith to rest in the fact that, listen, I'm going to work this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I trust God to take care of me. Praise God. I mean, of course, I've taught on hard work, so you know I'm not against hard work. I'm just talking about that, in, that desire. That desire. That desire that is not satisfied. Excessive desire. Everything that God is giving to us, there are boundaries to it. If we break those boundaries because we want more, we, we play into the hands of the world. Look at this. What is the lust of the flesh? The lust of the flesh describes that whole um, uh, uh, satisfaction that comes from physical pleasure. 
that makes our flesh feel satisfied. And, and, and Paul outlines for us what lust of the flesh is. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Some of these are very obvious, but some are not. So go to Galatians chapter 5. That which appeals to our flesh. <clears throat> that which makes our flesh feel good. At the root of every sexual sin is pleasure for the flesh. Nothing more. Nothing more. You realize that after five minutes, after ten minutes, all that whole pleasure is gone. That push, that drive is gone. And then you're back to reality. Galatians 5. Go to verse 19. Paul talks about verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, dispute, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarned you, just as I, I, I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The lust of the flesh. Things that appeal to your flesh. Things that appeal to your flesh. Praise God. You know, sometimes when you ask people why they're cheating on their wives or they're doing stuff they shouldn't do, they'll say, oh, it's an emotional breakdown. It's this. And they'll, they're going to put a lot of reason to it, but it's right here. It's the lust of the flesh. Why is it right now that believers are almost endorsing, cohabiting, lust of the flesh? That's it. That's it right there. That's the world telling us that there's nothing wrong with staying with somebody you're not legally married to. It's okay. There's nothing wrong. And that's the lust of the flesh. You need faith to overcome that thing. Because that's it. That's the world setting a new standard for us. That's the world setting a new standard for us. And it's just okay. We'll explain it away. We'll accommodate it. There's nothing wrong with it. And immediately you start raising your voice against this, then secular Christianity and carnal Christianity is going to come after you and say, well, uh, it's not that bad. After all. And they're going to give you a justification for that, for that ungodly lifestyle. And, and people who are going to do this will be tongue-talking spirits, devil-chasing believers. Born of God, but no faith to overcome the world. No faith to overcome the world. And you realize that gradually, and, and I'm going here now because there are certain things I'm going to touch on tonight, this morning. Gradually, you realize that the world is beginning to push this into us and pushing it so strong into us that we're not seeing anything wrong with it anymore. We've become friends with the world in the area of cohabiting. we become friends with the world right here. And the whole desire, listen, the whole thing about cohabiting is lust of the flesh. Because this is it, right? You can stay with someone and you do everything that married people do. The only thing you should go and do is pay the bride price. You don't have money for that. You don't have money for that, but you have energy to sleep with her. You don't have money for that, but you can kiss. You don't have money for that. And both of you are living together. So the question is, if you're already living together, is it not the same amount of money you're going to spend to take care of her if it was your wife? No. It's lost of the flesh. It's lost of the flesh. 
And five years after, ten years after, you have people walking up and say, well, uh, uh, I'm not married. Uh, and the man says, I should leave. Uh, we need to pray. What, do we, what are we praying about now? That God should empower the lust of the flesh? It's very clear. The scripture says, if we sow to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. And, and as a church, and as the body of Christ, even though we've made mistakes in all of these things, we need to begin to call ourselves together and begin to address this thing from the standpoint of the scriptures. And so that's why, when you tell people also, you know, go and win souls. Go and win souls. They can, it's difficult for them to preach the gospel. Hallelujah. It's difficult for them to preach the gospel. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, there are other uh, things that can be lost of the flesh. Praise God. Uh, all kinds of drug addiction. Some of all of those things come from the lust of the flesh. The next thing is the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. Next thing is the lust of the eyes. Go to Joshua chapter 7 verse 21. Let me show you lust of the eyes and, and see how it works. And follow this now because I'm going to show you from scripture that the Eve and Jesus had to go through this temptation and they overcame. And that's when Jesus says, I've overcome the world. They went through this temptation. He failed it. Jesus over, overcame it. Um, Joshua chapter 7, verse 21. You know what? And I'll say this to you, right? Every one of us must begin to call ourselves back to godly standards. Every one of us. From preacher to the pew. We must begin to call ourselves back to godly standards. Amen. We must begin to call ourselves back to godly standards. You know, another, another area that, that the world is beginning to push down on us very strongly, and, and we need to pay attention to this now. Another area that the world is beginning to push down strongly to us is on the subject of, of divorce and separation. You know, it's almost, it's almost becoming a norm. It's, it's almost becoming, yeah, it's okay. And you know that sometimes we've got to use our faith in our marriage to overcome that spirit. Because it's gradually becoming okay. In fact, we even tell people. They don't force anybody now. If you cannot stay, come back. It's, it's almost like a second advice. That don't worry. Don't, just try it. If you try two years, it does not work. Leave. And, and gradually, we're beginning to buy the narrative that it's okay. It's okay. And, and you see what's happening now. And, and listen very carefully to me. I pick this up in the spirit. What's happening also is because we have allowed the world to push that narrative into us, the church, and we're buying into it. Praise God. And we're buying into it. You, you will now find out that it's making the young people in, in our generation to be scared of marriage. And now we've, we've allowed that spirit of the world to come in and we've reintroduced the fear of marriage into, into, into young people. Even young people are finding it difficult because it, it, that's almost the narrative. It happens in the world. It happens in the church. Your ministers who separated. Some are separated two times, three times. And they still preach very sound word. And then you hear people say, oh, if, this, if it can happen to this person, no. You've got to set your marker. Praise God. And then I know people are now going to start to ask me all kinds of questions. So if this is happening, what do you do? What, do whatever you feel you want to do. But I'm telling you that we need to watch these things. We need to be separate. Things and, 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 and it's because, I'll push this, push this a bit further again. It's because 
when we started teaching our single people, and I mean, obviously some people made mistakes in, in whoever they got married to. But listen to this. <laughs> when we began to teach singles marriage in church, we didn't teach them the word of God. We began to teach them lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes. That's the whole concept of religion. You know, if you like a fat person, you know, don't go and marry a slim person. Stay with the fat people. If you like slim people, and we began to teach them, you know, you need to package yourself properly. You need to be where people can see you. You, you, need, to, you, know, you need to know your spec. You need to, and it's almost like you're going to buy a machine. And nobody was telling you and teaching you how to walk in love. Nobody was teaching you how to forgive. Nobody was teaching you how to discern in the spirit. And we use all this worldly, uh, worldly spec to go and marry. We, and we, we found out at the end of the day. You know, what spec did, did uh, Goma have? The prostitute that God told Hosea to go and marry. What, what, what was Hosea's spec? You think Hosea just said, you know, I'd like to marry a prostitute. A very good prostitute. That is my spec. So help me God. No. And then we began to push this thing to the extreme. God cannot tell you who to marry. The last person God told, blamed God. So God took his hands off. <laughs> and now, see how we have chosen for ourselves. Praise God. Ah, you don't have to pray. You don't have to pray. And that's why, and it's from some of this theology that are worldly based that cohabiting becomes acceptable because you have to try the machine before you, you see if there's warranty, before you, 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 you pay for what, whatever you want to pay for. So you have to test it. And some of you will say, okay, what about if I marry somebody and he now discover his something is not working? And what will I now do? Okay, go and test and see if it's working. Because you realize that at the end of the day, we almost live our lives like, listen, God doesn't have a plan for me. I can't. Listen, I know two couples who got married. They knew they could not have children. They knew. What, I think the lady had something with her, whatever. And they, it, it, they knew. They said the, it was medically proven they could not have kids. Listen, I think you're the one God said I should marry. In fact, so that the pressure would not be on the woman... That for, for many years, they kept telling people the problem was with the men. Just so the pressure, you know, you know, you know how it is in the African society. But you know what? They got together and said, Father, you brought us together. They got into the word. 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 And they got three kids now. That's faith that overcomes the world. That's faith that overcomes the world. And some people will say, well, I've suffered in my father's house. I cannot marry a poor man. And then they go and marry a rich man who becomes abusive. And you see, that whole standard of escape from poverty is because we have defined what success is just by money. Are you, are you, are you getting something here? So let's talk about lust of the flesh. Joshua uh, chapter 7, verse 21. Lust of the eye, sorry. We talked about lust of the flesh. So we need to redefine how we teach these things, right? We need to redefine how we teach single people. Because, for instance... Imagine if you, if, you, if you have a singles meeting and they say, what's the topic? Say, patience, the key to a lasting relationship. They say, no, teach something better. Praise God. Teach something better. <laughs> uh, you know, I used to say this when I teach singles. I said, I used to tell them this, that if Joseph had slept with Mary, when Mary came and said the child was of the Holy Ghost, he would not have denied. He would have, ah, thank God. Thank God. Or blamed the Holy Ghost. 
or blamed Mary. But you see, that, that young man was so confident that he was not the one. And the, and the Lord had to speak to him and says, stick in that relationship. And some of you don't understand the implication of what happened to Mary. It was an abomination to the Jews. And he had to bear that. He had to bear that because God spoke to him. There are certain times God will need to speak to you about the relationship. As he stay there. And that's the word that holds you when trials and tribulations come. Because the, the challenge is that we get into marriage and get... And, and I, I know this is helping someone because this is a word of knowledge now. We get into marriage and get into relationship without the word of the Lord. And when the trials come, there's no word to hold on to. Because what we're looking for is, is speck. And you can't hold on to speck in the day of adversity. Are you following this now? You can't hold on to specs. Say, oh, okay. The devil comes after your marriage. Say, oh, you know, she's fat. So she's fat, the devil go back. She's fat, the devil go back. You can't do that. Oh, she's slim, the devil go back. I call figure eight. I, I cast you out in the name of figure eight. The devil's not going to listen to that. Am I saying that you should marry someone you don't like? That's not what I'm saying, but that's not first place. You shouldn't get into marriage with lust of the eyes or lust of the flesh. You should be spirit led. And there's such a thing as being spirit led, praise God. Okay. Lost of the eyes. Joshua chapter 7 verse 21. I told you we were close by 10.30 today. So we have 30 minutes more to go. Give you drink break or food break. <laughs> Joshua 7.21. Glory to God. I'm excited. Praise God. You know the good thing with preaching on a live stream when there's nobody in church is nobody looks at their watch except me. That's a good thing. Uh, verse 20. Joshua 7.20. So Achan said, Joshua, so Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. Remember, they went out to battle and they lost the battle. And Joshua said, How? What happened, God? And God said to Joshua, There is sin in your camp. There is sin in your camp. And what was the sin? Look at what this man did. When I saw among the spoil a beautiful mantle from Shina and 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight. Then I coveted them. That word coveted is the same word used for loss. I lost it after. Look at this man. People were fighting. He was coveting gold and mantle and shekels and shina. I coveted them. And took them. And behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. This is what this man did. He coveted. He saw. What is pushing some people to live the way they are living? It's just cars. Ah, man. I like BMW. Ah, BMW. Ah, BMW. You know, you can free your life a lot more if you learn how to be very simple and content. I'm not saying you should not have dreams. You see young people, right? Look, look at most young people's DP. You see them snapping behind cars that are not their own. Snapping behind. Because growing up, they've already been, that, that whole influence of just, this is life. This is what good life is. And most of us, that's still the same driving force. That's why God cannot speak to us. We cannot obey God. Because if we obey God, it will not look like our picture of success. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Now, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, 22, so lust of, lust of the flesh is not just, is, is, lust of the eyes is just that whole optics that comes into you and drives your action, and drives your action. Matthew 6, 22 says, Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If you see things from a perspective that is not godly, your whole body will be full of darkness. What is putting preachers to, 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 to run after money the way preachers run after money? Lost of the flesh. Lost of the eye, sorry. Do you want to appear big in the eyes of men? You hear, you hear preachers say, I cannot be pastoring this kind of church and not drive this kind of car. As if there is a metric that says 100 members, BMW, 200 members, BMW 6 Series. There's no metrics that way. I mean, God should, God will provide for you, God will look after you, but we all, from the pulpit to the pew, must be careful of the lust of the eyes. We must be careful of the lust of the eyes, from the pulpit to the pew, that we're not driven by these optics. You ask any young preacher growing up, who is your mentor in ministry? They're not going to mentor, they're not probably going to mention the local pastor who labors after them day and night. What's going to happen? Praise God. They're not going to mention the pastor who labors over them day and night. They would rather mention the person that's popular on TV. This can be driven by lust of their eyes. Because we see something, we're always attracted to it. Praise the name of the Lord. So your eye gives you that optics. You see that stuff there. Proverbs 17, 24 says, Wisdom is in the presence of one who has understanding. But the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. Eyes always see something at the ends of the earth. Always see something to get. There's always something to grab. There's always something to buy. There's always something to acquire. Glory to God. Look at Psalm 73 verse 7. Lost of the eyes describes someone who is captivated by outward show of materialism. Outward show of materialism. Psalm 73 verse 7. Their eyes bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their hearts run riot. It's like when you're looking at something and your eyes bulging and your eyes, you know, whoa. <laughs> and then your heart begins to imagine, how can I acquire this? How can I acquire this? How can I acquire this? And you know, that's how the, the, that's how, that's how the world appeals to us. I was, I was, I was, I was uh, watching soccer with my son and I was, I was trying to explain something. You see? You see that when they score a goal or when the match is very hot, they divide the screen a bit, then they bring this whole cool bottle of Guinness with eyes dripping. You release the champion in you. What are they doing? What are they doing? They are connecting the satisfaction from drink from the satisfaction you get from watching your, your soccer team win. They are connecting something. They are, they are passing a message. They are attributing something to it. You think that they are paying those millions for nothing? They are attributing something to it. So every time you see go, you see a chilled bottle of beer. You see go, you see a chilled bottle of beer. And when you want to score goals in your life, what will happen? <laughs> you start drinking beer. 
I mean, I'm just giving a comparison. <laughs> when they are doing DSTV Premium, full package, what happens? A lady walks past. So what's the connection between DSTV subscription and a lady? The connection is they're appealing to something in you. Even Indomie is not hot. So you watch the Indomie advert. Hey, are you hot? And then a girl comes out of the Indomie packet. What's the connection? I mean, let, let's examine what's the connection between a hot girl and an Indomie girl? They are trying to, they are desensitizing herself to the area of sex and sexuality. And that's why there's an increase of all whatever we find around our world. Because there's, we, we, are de- we, we, are, we are desensitized to that subject. So every advert, there's a girl behind. Every advert, there's a girl behind. Every advert, there's a girl behind. The girl is scantily clothed. And we're feeding ourselves with this image. Are, are you following this? We're feeding ourselves with this image. Now, let me say this now. I'll go a bit, a bit historical and a bit cultural. Do you realize that even growing up way back, right, people were scantily clothed? I mean, some of you who watch all of those olden movies, yeah? People were scantily clothed, but there were very little cases of rape and sexual assaults and all of this. I mean, people just wore their little wrapper and just covered their chest up in a, growing up. And it was fine. In fact, Sometimes you'll discover that boys and girls will go to the stream, they'll bet together. There's not, nothing there, just in innocence. Until, you try that right now. You're going to have more pregnant teenagers than anybody. But you realize what happened? The world began to come with media. Began to redefine what sex is. Began to redefine sex outside of marriage. Began to redefine the pleasure of sex. And just that whole thing being released out there. And they began to rechange that. And that's what feeds into the mind of the average man. And that's what, that's what begins to play out in the society. I want to see the bigger picture of this that God wants us to overcome. I want to see the bigger picture of this. Praise God. So the lust of the eyes describes someone who is captivated by an outward show of materialism. It's a temptation to look upon things we shouldn't look upon. Or to have things we shouldn't have. In other words, it is to cast your eyes upon something with desire of pleasure, even though God has told us, don't look upon this. The sin of coveting. The sin of coveting. That's why Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes, I will not look lustfully upon a maid. He had to do that. He had to do that so he can overcome that desire. And I'm not just relating to only women alone. talking about things. You must learn to practice contentment. A believer must learn to practice contentment. Praise God. A believer must learn to practice contentment. At the point you need to hold yourself and say, Listen, it's okay. Pause. God is with me. God is with me. Hallelujah. God is with me. Praise God. (laughs) Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, the third one is the pride of life. Is the pride of life. Praise God. The pride of life. The pride of life is that sinful temptation for excessive greatness and power. You know that whole thing about <clears throat> the pride of life. I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. You know, I was telling a pastor friend of mine the other day, I said, you know, most pastors, most people who labor, they would they would uh, they would 
Most people who labor, they might go unrecognized and unrewarded. Let's look at the man who wrote the message translation, Eugene Peterson. How many people know him? He wrote the message translation. He, he is not very popular. People use the message translation right now, but he's not very popular. When he passed away, very few people knew that he had passed away. Or passed on. Let's look at, I, I was looking, I mean, yesterday night I was going through the commentary of a, a, a man by the main, name of Warren Wisebeck did a commentary on the whole Bible. How many people know him? How many people know the missionaries who are laboring in our villages? The pastor who is preaching in your own hometown. How many people know that pastor? But yet, he's not as successful because of a big man of God who's got 300,000 members. That's the one we all want. Because somehow we have also associated success in ministry and success in ministry is being redefined by this whole thing called the pride of life. And so if God sends me to this island and says, be here and pastor here, I will not be satisfied with that because I feel, for instance, if I'm not in Lagos, if I'm not in Abuja, if I'm not in whatever other country, I'll not be significant. Why? Because ministry is also becoming a way of becoming significant as opposed to being a, a method or, sorry, a, a life of sharing God's life with people and going where the Lord has sent us to go to. You see how we need faith to overcome all of these things? So sometimes it takes faith to fulfill God's assignment for your life. And this is where the, the, the rich young ruler failed. He kept the commandments of God and was prosperous. And says, oh good master, I want to follow you. That I might have eternal life. And Jesus says, go sell what you have and give to the poor. The Bible says the man went back sorrowful because he had many possessions. You know what the man was thinking? If I sell everything now, I'll become a poor man. And I don't want that. He missed an opportunity to become a disciple of Jesus because of the pride of life. But he said, well, he was keeping the commandment. Yes, he was keeping the commandment for his own good, not because he loved God. There are many believers today who are serving God just because God can bless and protect them. They don't care about the purpose of God. They don't care about what God says. They choose what is seen and what is not seen. You know, some God can tell them, don't get angry. And he says, my family, we have anger. They, they choose. They just, you just choose. We are angry. I just talk my mind. I don't care. They even don't care about what people say. They don't care about what the scripture says. You see, there are things you're doing that when, you, when the scripture tells you it's wrong, I don't care who gave birth to you. If, if the fact that you're a child of God, the word of God becomes the final authority in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. So it's desiring to get credit or glory for the things um, that, that God has done in your life. Others... Uh, the things that God has done in your life. You know, this morning, a thought came up in my heart. I said, you know, sometimes we need to just stay in the place and say, you know what, it's the grace of God that gave me this. It's just what's strong in my heart because sometimes the grace of God brings things our way and when people ask us, how did you get here? We sit them down and we start giving them formula. You know, you have to be hardworking, you have to set goals, you have to do this. It's okay. But you realize that there are certain things in your life that you have no clue how you got them. When they ask you, just say, it's the grace of God. Don't take credit for what God is doing in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. Don't take credit for what God is doing in your life. Now, the desire for others to worship us, to hold us in excess esteem, the desire to make a name for ourselves, Genesis 11. Let's build a name for ourselves. Praise God. The desire to build a name for ourselves. The desire to feel more valued, more important than others. Desire to have positions of bragging rights over others. And Jesus had to deal with this in the life of the disciples. 
mother of James came and said, let one of my child sit at your right hand and one at your left hand. And you know, mothers are wonderful. You saw 11 disciples there. You took only your two children. And she sits on the right and on the left. And Jesus had to confront that and say, the greatest in the kingdom is the one that serves. How many of us, even in the church, we don't see leadership as service? We see leadership as overpowering people. Praise God. And it's something we've, we've had to deal with in our local assembly most times. So then you have people come into positions of leadership and we try to tell them, listen, right in this house, our definition of leadership is service. The leader should serve. The leader should serve. And you're dealing with the whole concept because there are whole denominations built on the pride of life. And it's tough. Then you are, ah, no, we can't serve. <laughs> it will, it, you know, you, you think it's, I mean, it's nice as a pastor. You walk in and you've got all those protocols coming in. I mean, military people, clearing people and doing all of those stuff for you. Man, that feels nice. Everybody wants that. It takes faith to say, no, I don't want that. I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to be humble. It takes faith to humble yourself so that God can lift you up. And that's the faith to overcome the pride of life that is in the world. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, let's look at two uh, temptations. We'll just value these things and then we'll just, I'll just give you a couple of more scriptures and I'll be done. Praise God. Genesis 3.6. Let's see this temptation of this world, of this whole concept of these three things came to Eve and Eve failed. Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. You know, Satan was talking, about, talking to Eve about this whole thing. And when the woman saw, observe that, when the woman, Eve, saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, food, gluttony, was good. She saw it was good for food. That's lust of the flesh there. And it was pleasant to the eyes. That's lust of the eyes there. Was pleasant to the eyes. That's lust of the eyes there. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. The pride of life. She took the fruit and partook of it. Did you see that there? In the life of Eve, she fell into this temptation. And we know that this, the scripture says that Eve was beguiled in her mind. All these interactions will come up in your mind. Trees were good for food, lust of the flesh. Pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes. Make one wise. How much wisdom do you want to have more than the wisdom God has already given to you when he created you? Praise God. Praise God. Because you realize that the world will keep defining things, keep defining things, keep defining things. The world will keep defining things. And we must, we must be careful that we're not subjecting ourselves to the definition of the world. We must be careful that we're not subjecting ourselves to the operating system of the world. This also happened in the life of Jesus, but Jesus overcame. Praise God. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 to 10. And when the tempter came, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread, lost of the flesh. Command stones to become bread. Appeal to your flesh. Eat, eat, eat. You're hungry. Short circuit the process. Make these stones and eat. <laughs> Jesus refused that. 
Then the devil took him. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of, of, of God. Come on, what's, what's, what, what does Romans 10 say? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you hear God's word, that you live by the word of God. I don't have to convert this thing. I don't have to appeal to my flesh, even though my flesh is hungry. How many of you know Jesus just fasted for 40 days? His flesh is hungry. Even though my flesh is hungry, I'm going to overcome this thing. I'm not going to appeal to it. Not going to appeal to it. And that's how you use faith to overcome the things you're going through. You might have sexual desires. You might be young and single. And then these whole desires come. You've got to use faith. That's when you should say you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not after you've you know, done whatever you want to do. But I mean, just confess the righteousness of God. But you have to use your faith. You have to use your faith. Because these whole things are being redefined by the world. These whole things are being redefined by the world. Let's look next verse. Then the devil taken him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of a temple and said to him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. Can you see where the devil is quoting Bible? He shall give his angels, the devil is actually preaching to Jesus. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest any time that shall dust the food against the soul. That's the pride of life. That's the pride of life. I'll fall and nothing will happen to me. You know, most times when we have an image of the devil, we just think the devil is this whole black thing. The devil was here quoting scriptures. And I'm telling you, if, if, if it were to, some, to be some believers, they would have accepted it. I heard something tell me to fall down. They would have accepted it. You know, you think the devil will just, most times the devil will not even tempt you with things that are outright sin. The devil will twist the scriptures for you. You're listening to a series on overcoming the devil. You will twist the scriptures to you and you fall for it if you're not discerning. If you don't have a relationship with God. Praise God. I mean, you're, 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 you're a minister of the gospel and you come into the local church and something happens and then, you know, the devil has a way of telling you, boy, you are the, you are the set man of this place. <laughs> you are the man of God. You are the visionary. And then you start pumping yourself up. Yeah, I'm the set man. Yeah, I'm the visionary. Yeah. You must take a stand. Yes, I must take a stand. Yes, you must take a stand. Yes, you must take a stand. <laughs> and before you know, you might likely be doing things that are not consistent with scriptures. Because you just want to appeal to a certain dimension that's flowing in your heart, which is from the world. So let's look at the life of Jesus again. Again, the devil took him up into exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of this world and the glory of them. That's the lust of the eyes. And says, what, I'll give you these things if you worship me. Do you realize that the, that the devil promised to give Jesus these things if he worshipped him? And the devil and Jesus said, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. Do you realize that the statement Jesus made was the same statement James was talking about? That if you are friends with the world, you'll be an enemy of God. That our love can only be consecrated to God alone. And we cannot take the things that the devil is offering. And these things will be subtle suggestions. Praise God. I know a particular lady who interprets for Bishop Dick Howard Mills, uh, Lighthouse Church, Lighthouse Denomination in Accra, Ghana. She used to work for the United Nations, earning a whole lot of money. But she speaks French very fluently. And the bishop offered her to come and interpret for her. And the salary they were offering her was maybe, I mean, not even half of what she was getting. And she, of course, she didn't take it. After about two years, the Lord began to speak to her. And she accepted and she, 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 she travels with Bishop all over interpreting right now. I mean, you know what that woman would have contended with? The pride of life. 
Imagine leaving a United Nations position to go and interpret for Bishop preaching all over Africa. I mean, and when he started working for Bishop Dag, Bishop Dag was not as, you know, as he is right now. That's what we're talking about. She needed to use faith to overcome the pride of life because nobody will agree that that's what God is asking you to do. It's like going to take a pay court so you can serve. It's to take faith. Because everyone will say, ah, no, no, no. Why don't you stay there and you can be supporting the ministry? And God says, no, it's not support I need. I need you. And this pride of life happens in, in various ways. Glory to God. And, and, and we need to look at this now. We need to look at this now. Praise God. We need to look at these things. The pride of life takes place in several ways. And you have to find a way in which God will, will be able to grant you the spirit of discernment. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay. Let's look at two scriptures then we can close. Romans chapter 12. Thank you Lord Jesus. Praise God. We've got 10 minutes more. Where did all the time go to? Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 to 2. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Here we did opening prayers for five minutes. Right, so I'll take my five minutes back. <laughs> glory, glory to God in the highest. Man, God is a good God, I tell you. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies in a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God with your spiritual service of worship. So you see what... What, what now we're going to look, we're looking at how our faith overcomes now you see your body needs to be presented to God as a sacrifice he says you need to present your body so if, if, if as a single person if as a married person I present my body to God as a living sacrifice I will not want to use my body to fulfill the lust of the flesh can, can you see that right now but you have to do the presenting and that's how a single young Christian young believer needs to see her body that this is a living sacrifice it's like I'm already dedicated to an idol it's like you want to sleep with somebody who is dedicated to an idol you get the wrath of the gods. Praise God. You know, uh, funny enough, you know, no matter how you, you, you feel like, man, I just need a girl. <laughs> I'm just thinking now, a picture in my mind, right? It's like, man, I want to sleep with a girl. Ah, oh, man, I need a girl in my life. And then they just take you down the road and you see this girl coming from the shrine with her white skirt and red ribbon. Every altar of love you have in your heart will disappear. You would not even mind to just bow down and worship her. And that's the way you should see yourself. My body is a living sacrifice. So I cannot use my body for something that is not consistent with the word of God. And do not be confirmed to this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is. Now I want to look at what does the word conform mean. The word conform means to comply with the rules and standards or to behave according to what is socially acceptable. It says, don't conform to the rules of this world. Don't conform to the standards of this world. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Then you've got to renew your mind. You've got to rethink what the world calls success. You've got to rethink the standards of the world. If not, you're going to be conformed. But instead of being conformed, you should rather be transformed. Be changed. Be metamorphosed. That's what the Greek word there. Metamorphosis. Transform yourself by renewing your mind about what the world says. 
says that what the world thinks. Praise God. Let me read the... Um, what translation now? Let me, let me read the message translation. Romans chapter 12. So here, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Let everything you do be placed before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Look at, this is what I like about the message translation. <clears throat> Listen to this. Do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in even without thinking. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in even without thinking. A believer shouldn't just adjust to the world without thinking. Fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Look at this. Re readily recognizing what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Is that not what we talked about? About the love of God, responding to, to God? Unlike the culture around you. Always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. He says the culture around you is always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Is that, is that not the same thing Jesus said? He says the world is from below and from above. I like this. He says don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. You know, sometimes <laughs> I just sit in my house and I look at social media and I see how social media constructs just, just make, you know, even mature people do things they shouldn't do. And, you know, taking all kinds of challenge. And what they don't tell you to slap your husband? They say, slap your husband challenge. And you just slap your husband and go live. Pah! Live. All kinds of stuff. We're not, we're not even processing some of these things. There are things that are not befitting for a believer. There are things that are not befitting for a believer. We just get adjusted without thinking about these things. Can I tell you something? Whether you admit it or not, something is influencing you. It's either the world or God. Don't say, I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. Every one of us, including me preaching, something is influencing us. It's either God is the one influencing us or the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Final scripture. Praise God. <laughs> Hey, glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Can we do that as our final scriptures? 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Glory, glory, glory to God. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. It's a good day. It's a good day, I tell you. Can we read from verse 1? Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek went face to face with you, but bold towards you when I'm absent. I ask that when I am present, I need not be bold with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, although we're human beings, we do not war according to the flesh. Our battle, because the word overcome means the fight. We do not fight according to the flesh. Look at this. Look at this. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Verse 5. We are destroying speculations. Write that down. And every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How did all of this temptation come to Eve and come to Jesus and is coming to us right now? True thoughts. True thoughts. 
And we've got to, that's the spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare is not just midnight prayers. The spiritual warfare is taking those thoughts that are from the world and bringing them down under the authority in the name of Jesus. When the loss of the flesh comes, when the loss of the eyes come, you take that thought and uh, that thought that is making you think your wife is not beautiful anymore, that's a spiritual warfare. That's the world trying to give you a reason. You say, ah, she's not understanding me anymore. You have to make her understand you. You have to. Because that's a reason. That's going to be a reason for separation. That's going to be a reason to go out into adultery. And you've got to take that thought right now because the world is beginning to give you a reason. Somebody gets married after 12 years. He says, we are, we, are no, we are no longer compatible. How are you compatible for 12 years and not compatible after 13 years? Something is, is pushing you. And it's from the world. It's from the world. We've got to deal with these things. Let me read it from the, from the message translation. Verse 3 to 6. The world is unprincipled. It is a dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we do not live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. Make sure, everyone listening to me, make sure you write these two scriptures down. Go back home, go on Google, put. <laughs> uh, praise God. Go to 2 Corinthians 10, 5 to 6, write it down. Romans 12, verse 1 to 3, write it down. Praise God. And, and print it from the message translation and study it and study it and go over it again. The world is unprincipled. There's no principle out there. It's dog eat dog out there fighting, you know, fighting each other, betraying people. And we don't see anything wrong with it. Betraying people. And you hear even believers say, ah, you cannot trust your husband with your trusted friend. The world has changed. <laughs> as, as if we're in the world. And we, we need to, all, everybody, from preacher to, to members, we need to call ourselves back to the order of the scripture. And that's something that God is putting in my heart right now to begin to push the message of the kingdom stronger. We've had enough of success. We've had enough of breakthrough. We've had enough of prosperity. We need to begin to return to kingdom values. Scriptures, uh, Paul told Timothy, say, treat your, your, the, the, your, your, the, the younger ones, the younger ladies in church, treat them with all purity, like your sisters, and treat the older ones like your father. We should, we should come to a place where we'll, we understand that these are kingdom principles. And this is what God expects of us. This should be the normal. This should be the norm. Praise God. Look at this. The world is on principle. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade are not for marketing or manipulation. But they are for demolishing that entirely massively corrupt culture. For demolishing that massively, entirely corrupt culture. What's, what culture is that? The culture built on the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies. I like this. Warped philosophies. And I want to say this. I know it might go against the grave, but there's a whole big movement going on out there. Uh, trying to... Try to, I mean, of course, the scripture says we should submit one to another in marriage and, and honor one another in marriage. But the scripture also says that wives should be submitted to their husband. And we have a whole movement out there trying to throw that truth out of the window. What philosophy? What philosophy? We've got, we've got truths, we've got philosophies emanating every day. 
that are contrary to the truths of God's word. And sadly, believers will take this hook line, hook line and sinker. We use our powerful God tools for smashing wild philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. I like this. We fit every loose thought. When your mind begins to run out of boundary, you, you bring it back. How do people slide into depression? Excessive thoughts. Instead of casting the care on God, they are not humble enough to cast the care on God. They take the care on themselves. Why am I like this? At my age, I'm not still married. At my age, I don't have a car. At my age, I don't have a dog. Ah, when they call men, how can I come out as a man? I'm not a man. <laughs> you know? And you think that for two weeks, you start getting sad. You don't talk to anybody. They give you food you don't eat. And you allow that mental, depressive spirit to hang itself on your head. Instead of you to rise up then and speak God's word and say, I know who I am in Christ. God's got great plans for me. We take the word of God and we smash that thing. That's what it means for faith to overcome the world. Praise God. We take every, uh, fit in every loose thought and emotion. Emotions, emotions, things that have to do with the lust of the flesh. When are the emotion of anger, emotion of lust, emotion of quarreling, of gossiping is coming, you have to deal with it. You use your faith to deal with it. You can use your faith to keep your mouth shut from not gossiping. You've got to use your faith for that. Say, no, I only say what is gracious. I only speak the truth. Love believes the best. I only say what's the best concerning someone. And this is what we, we need to use our faith for. Not just for new shoes and new cars and new belt. Praise God. Okay? An impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Please take these two verses of Scripture. Go back home because of our time. I, I need to, to, to wrap up. Uh, go back home and, and study these two scriptures again. Please make sure, read them from the message translation so that it's clearer. These things come to us in form of thoughts, praise God. It says, our tools are ready at hand for clearing, praise God. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience and maturity. What God wants to do, praise God, is to build lives of, obe of obedience and maturity. God wants us. To build lives of obedience and maturity. Glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, um, I believe that, I mean, with all of these teachings, you'll be able to get a hold of them and listen to them over and over again. Praise God. Praise God. I want to quote by, 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 by this, this Irish hymn. It was written by a man called Cecil Alexander. So an Irish hymnist. Wrote it way back, way back, way back. Just four lines. And I like the four lines. I'm not going to sing it. I mean, I just feel like that. No, no, Pastor, don't sing. No, Pastor, don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it. Glory to God. All right. It's four lines. It's four lines. It says, Jesus calls us from the worship of the vain world's golden store, from each idol that will keep us saying, Christian, love me more. I'll say it again. It says, Jesus calls us from the worship of the vain world's golden store from each idol that would keep us from saying, Christian, love me more. What is he saying? He said, God is calling us from anything in our lives that will stop us from saying, I love God more. If there's anything, if there's anything, if there's anything in our lives that stops us from expressing that love, he says, Jesus is calling us from the worship of the vain world's golden store. God is calling us from the worship of the world. He's calling us to come to that place where we can say all of our love belongs to Him. 
And all through scriptures, all through history, we've had people respond to this call. Daniel did. Daniel did when he went into Babylon. And they offered him that. He proposed that he will not defile himself with the food of Babylon. He separated himself. He went through all of that. And at the end of the day, Jesus was exalted. Jesus was exalted. Go, go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I'll read this time. Somebody said, well, I thought you were closing. Well, I changed my mind. Hebrews chapter 11. Praise God. I just got this in my spirit and we have to read it. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 11. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11. Mm. Glory to God. Glory to God. Verse 23. Hebrews eleven twenty-three. This just came up strong in my spirit. Let's read it. Praise God. Let's read it. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, I just sense such an anointing of the Spirit of God right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift our hands and just thank Him for a moment first, then we get back into the Word. Father, we thank You. Oh, Shaman Steli Kasuli Indre Brahaste. Yes, Father, we receive the instructions of the Spirit. Oh, yes. Kelo Vahashte Monza Katila Aprastos Ingresus de Kila Hashte Lemonda Brate Solomonde. Father, we receive the instructions of the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, they were not afraid of what the worldly king, the decree that the worldly king has put forth. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, look at this, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Do you know what that would mean? If you say, I'm the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that is the pride of life. That's the biggest title you could ever get. But look at this. Choosing rather to enjoy ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He used this faith to choose to suffer with the children of God and to enjoy the whole atmosphere of Egypt. That's the faith that overcomes the world. It says, by faith, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for a reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's just quickly look at verse 33. And, and, and to 40. And then we close. 33 to 40. Who by faith, these conquered kingdoms, they performed acts of righteousness. They obtained promises. Thank you, Jesus. They shut the mouth of lions. They quenched the power of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness, they were made strong. Became mighty in war. Put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And others were tortured, not accepting their release. They were tortured, not accepting their release. How did they do this? By faith. These were the ones we're talking about in Revelation. They overcame him by the word, the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they count not their lives unto death. They refused to, oh my God, praise God. They refused to be released. Not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. They were stoned. They were sown in two. 
They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. This is the line I like. It says, men of whom the world was not worthy. Men of whom the world was not worthy. Men of whom the world was not worthy. They didn't, they didn't seek their what from this world. The world was not worthy of them. They were men of faith. Glory to God. They were men of faith. Now go on. He now says, verse 40, verse 39. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. He says, because God has provided something better for us. So that apart from us, they will not be made perfect. He says, God has provided something better for us. Glory to God. If they use their faith for this, God is expecting us to do more. Then it goes on to the popular verse. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every encumbrance and sin which so easily entangles us. Let us run the race with endurance that is set before us. It, it's like saying, all these men have paid all this price. And they are sitting on the grandstand of life. And they are watching us. They are watching us. And they are like, listen, we, listen, we've run, we've come to this point. You, it's now your time. It's now your time. It's now your time. Paul says, listen, let's lay aside every weight, every sin, everything that stops us from running this race. Because the whole of the generations that came before us, they are waiting for us. You can't allow relationships stop you. You can't allow your, your, your desire for things and pleasure stop you. There's a whole agenda of God on our neck. Glory to the name of the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Oh, we give you praise. Oh, we give you praise, Jesus. Oh, we thank you, Father. 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 Lord, we just pray right now. That if anything in our life that is stopping us from running this race, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you just give us grace and mercy. Help us, O oh God. 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 Help us, O God. Mandro shikatos dele mande brahaste. Zosha levira bando siste brando solomande. Tengla roste. Kenzo shila mandro shikahaste. Igrejuste gelemanda bradoske lemande brodoske lemande brahaste. Ah ha ha ha! Ei la hasta, ei la hasta. Ila la batale bronze li iste le monda. Oh, gelo hose farita, gelo fotara haste na mane, gelo hoste verenina marate. We pray, Father. You pray, Lord, that you will help us. That you will help us, O oh God. That you will help us, O oh God. That we will run this race. We will run this race. We will run this race, God. We will run this race, God. Let nothing hold us back. Let nothing hold us back. Let nothing hold us back, Jesus. Let nothing hold us back, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We yield to you, John. We yield to you, Jesus. We yield to you, Jesus. We yield to you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you take absolute control in our life. We just yield to you, God. We yield to you, God. We yield to you, God. We yield to you. We yield to you, God. We yield to you, God. We yield to you, God. We know you have a plan. We know you have a purpose. We know there's a reason you saved us. We know there's a reason when the enemy came against us, you did not allow the enemy to outwit us. We know that we were born for such a time as this. We yield ourselves to the teachings of the Spirit, to the leadings of the Spirit, to the instructions of the Spirit. We yield ourselves, Jesus. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you. We give you praise, God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. For listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng, or you can call 0805 888 7575. God bless you.